0: And
1: Bonds right yeah. high! It's a
0: Mailbag episode on the Just Baseball Show. It is Wednesday, June fifteenth. That's Arm Laid, and I'm Peter Apple Arm. To start off the podcast because we have plenty of questions to answer that were asked on our Twitter at Just BB Media as well as on our Instagram at Just Baseball Show. But we have to start with the tweet that made me laugh right before pre-recording that just came out. The Diamondbacks, and this is by at J Kuda, spelled C U D A. The tweet is: The Diamondbacks sent Dallas Keuchel to the Arizona Complex League. And for those who are unaware, Dallas Keuchel was released by the White Sox after being terrible and is now on the Arizona Diamondbacks. And the Diamondbacks sent him to the Arizona Complex League. And the Arizona Complex League, according to Jay Kuda, is the lowest-rung ladder of North American minor league baseball, even below low A. He is 0-1 with a 7.20 ERA. Dallas Keuchel... (sighs) wherever there's a mound he's throwing and whenever there's a box to hit against him batters are doing just
1: fine you know it's crazy he was playing with Jordan Lawler in that game (laughs) and Lawler was on was on a rehab game I think um and look I I don't want to pile on too much but it it was just funny because when you were reading me that tweet I'm like where's he going with this? Like, of course he's doing a rehab assignment. They're going to build him back up. And then it's like, no, he's 0 one in that uh, pitching against 18 year olds with a seven, two, zero ERA. Uh, That's, that's tough. That's tough. And uh, I mean, the D backs look, they're actually like sneaky decent this year. So uh, I don't know how long it's going to last. I was going to say, screw it. Just throw Keiko in there, but they've actually been all right. But uh, yeah, that is an insane stat. And hopefully for Keiko's sake, you can get things going, but He got his bag from the White Sox, as uh, I know Jack can attest to. Uh, He got his bag from the Chicago White Sox. And some
0: injuries that we have to address. Kinshin Ryu, unfortunately, is looking like he might go down for the entire year with Tommy John surgery, which is really, really unfortunate. And Liam Hendricks of the Chicago White Sox also just went down with an injury. He's not supposed to be out for a crazy long time, but the closer of the White Sox will not be closing games for them as one of the best closers in baseball.
1: Dude, that team is snake bitten right now, the White Sox. It's really tough. And Ryu, I mean, it seemed like, I mean, I know, I know age was catching up to him, but, you know, it seemed like he just was was something wasn't right over the last year or so. So hopefully this surgery can give him a, like a, a second leg here uh, in the back leg of his career and hopefully it will get it going. But let's see what the Blue Jays do now. Uh, maybe the Jays feel a little bit more urgency to go get an arm and and throw somebody into that rotation. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Uh, and, and hopefully, of course, Liam Hendricks can come back soon because the White Sox are are just struggling to keep bodies on the field right now. It, it's pretty yeah. crazy what we're seeing over there. And uh, yeah, quickly, the, the Twins are separating themselves a little bit more. I think coming into today, six games apart as we're recording this for the division. Uh, that that can get to 10 real quick and start ballooning from there. And the Twins are playing good ball, which I know we have a question about them. And we will get more into the Twins in a second.
0: And not only are the Twins playing good ball, they get back Joe Ryan today. So we're recording on Tuesday to be released on Wednesday. Joe Ryan pitches today. And Sonny Gray is due to be back as well. So as the Twins get healthier, the White Sox do not, as TA7, of course, is still on the IL as well. Are there any news and notes maybe from the minor leagues? Because in college baseball, of course, now we have our 8 teams set for Omaha, but I want to talk about college baseball, of course, because it's the biggest time of the year. But on tomorrow's Just Baseball show, it'll be Jack and I interviewing our college baseball guy, Pete Flaherty. So the entire episode will be college baseball. Yeah. So for now, we're just going to focus on MLB and minor leagues. And then tomorrow will be all college baseball. So Love any it. news and notes in the minor leagues? Is anything popping? What's going on right
1: now? Uh, well, T.A. is on his rehab assignment. Um, so that's good. Uh, yeah, that is I think- good. He'll hopefully be back. I think he's got some other things going on off the field, but he's going to tend to allegedly, uh, of course, Twitter is a great place to get your information. But I did see some interesting things there on Twitter. You can you can search that up yourself. Uh, and, and Eduardo Rodriguez also in a similar conundrum, I think so. Uh, yeah. Very interesting to see how those things get aired out publicly. I, I saw John Heyman tweet out an article <laughs> with 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 erod and his wife and i was like that was the picture and it was like erod you know on on the restricted list for uh you know marital issues or whatever it was i was like dude like let's talk about baseball like we don't know what's going on there uh but uh just i guess we're turning into the tabloids a little bit on the baseball side but uh, i wanted to talk just quickly about matt gorski who continues to just go nuclear uh with the pirates and and i know you're asking a little bit about like the the minor league spear they keep getting guys that are just coming up and raking we know about jack swinski cannon smith and jigma pinch hitting a ninth today and put a good swing on a ball for a double in his first career big league hit for the pirates and now they've got this dude matt gorski who has 19 home runs between high a and double a in just 53 games and is just flat out mashing to about a 160 wrc plus guy was a second round pick in 2019 He's a masher. Look out for Matt Gorski, one of the guys that are kind of trending in the minor leagues right now.
0: It's phenomenal. And and just like as the minor leagues as a whole, right? You've talked about this, I think, briefly at points, but the pitch clock, because I saw Heyman talk about it today. And I thought to myself, well, the person who has been hyping it up the most that I've heard, well, maybe because you're the co-host of the Just Baseball show. (laughs) You got to hear me a lot. (laughs) But I hear hear you talk about the pitch clock a lot. So just tell me what you've seen from being in these ballparks and, and now understanding why you love it so much.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I'm just glad to see that the the reporting to the big leagues is is positive uh, overall. Like, I didn't know if they're going to say there's too many violations. Players aren't going to be able to adjust to it, blah, blah, blah. As Heyman noted, there's only about 0.6 violations per game, which means, you know, there's only one violation every two games, roughly. And a violation is my violation. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be like if the pitcher takes too long there will be a ball awarded, or if the hitter takes too long, there'll be a strike awarded. That's only happening once every two games, but the, the game duration is down almost 25 to 30 minutes. Uh, and, and I mean, we're seeing it big time. And I would say just, it's the time between pitches, especially with the relievers, where you're seeing the big difference. And I just love that. Cause I think there's nothing that takes the air out of a game. than you know, ball two, the, the, the reliever takes a big lap around the mound, takes off his hat. You know, wipes his sweat off, you know, grabs the rosin bag, throws another ball and then does the whole thing again. And, and then and then the catcher comes out like all of those things. Just they, they take so much air out of the game. And I think fans are just more engaged. There's less time between pitches. There's more action. It's go, go, go. And if you think about football, right. Football, in terms of action, is kind of slow if you think about it because you got the huddle and then you got the play, but there's a clock that enforces that every huddle isn't longer than the other, and I think that's what baseball needs. And I I was very hesitant at first, but I know that that people are going to start to warm up to the idea that you know how long it's going to take between pitches and you don't have to worry about human rain delays on the mound because we've seen them. I mean, I literally watched Jerry's familia tie his shoes three times in one inning. I don't want to watch that ever again. That should yeah. be a penalty at that point. Double knot it, or it's a ball. Like figure it double out. Not, double
0: knot it, or it's a ball, and you know you can trust Arm because if, if for anyone watching on YouTube, he's wearing a Fire Pensacola Blue Wahoo T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I bet about seven people in the world have that exact <laughs> T-shirt. Arm's one of them.
1: I think it was on clearance for like eleven ninety nine
0: that's that's kind of a decent amount of money for that t-shirt it It is kind of got <laughs> a kind of fire let's get into the questions unless we have any more news and notes from around the league but we'll be updating you guys of course throughout the week on the just baseball show thank you all again for listening and for asking all of these questions again on our twitter we post a mailbag graphic ask any question you want and we will answer it to feature you on this episode of the just baseball show we do this every two weeks so, make sure you're following our Twitter at Media to stay up to date on these mailbags. So, Arm, um, the first question is a good one. What are your thoughts on the Guardians and what should they do for the remainder of the year? Should they go for it and add another bat slash arm? Should they retool and keep most of their core or just a full blown rebuild? And we've been on very similar pages with the Guardians of the fact that. What they do versus what they should do are different things. Yeah. What they should do in our eyes is they should add, they have all the makings of a playoff team in a division that's currently up for grabs right now. You have the Minnesota Twins who are good, but we do know that the Twins will have their lulls. And then when we look at the Dylan Bundys of the world, that this Twins rotation isn't bulletproof, we know the bullpen certainly isn't as well. And then the bottom of the Twins lineup isn't great. You look at the White Sox, they're just dealing with injury after injury after injury. And it's not the Royals and the Tigers year. The Guardians are not out of it. I still think that they should go at a bat, but they have a lot of young guys in the outfield. Just don't trade away. Like Jose Ramirez, don't trade him away. Don't, don't blow it up. Do not completely rebuild. No. I can understand a retool because that's most likely what they're going to do. So I know you're probably on the same side of they should buy, but they're probably going to
1: retool. Am I off there? So, you know, I think the biggest thing is this, right? You have a top five player in baseball locked up for cheap now for the foreseeable future, right? He's under control until 2028 uh, or 2029, that is. And uh, I mean, you will be able to get him now at 22 million this year, 14 million next year. And then 17 million a year after that. I know the Guardians are not big spenders, but come on, when you're getting that kind of value, I think you got to start looking to go for it. And I'm not saying they need to push all the chips forward. So I think maybe retool or and or like a soft launch in terms of going forward. It's probably the way the Guardians should do it. But I mean, We've talked about this, right? This is a good team that is not that far away from being very good. And uh, I know you talked about it on the podcast uh, when you guys were talking all stars about how Andres Jimenez, you know, should be in that conversation as an all-star. Absolutely. And and now that guy's taken the next step. He is a great player. You have Ramirez, you have some other pieces. The rotation is phenomenal. You know, Shane Bieber, finally healthy. Tristan McKenzie has been, you know, a a guy looking like he's taking that next step. Cal Quantrill has been Mr. Consistent, as you know. Like, this is a good rotation. And then Class A, 24 years old, one of the best closers in the game. Eli Morgan, who we used to jokingly fade, moves to the bullpen, he's lights out. Like, they know what they're doing, and their system is insane. Like, they could make a couple of trades and not really feel it and still have an elite system. And it's a million middle infielders, some pitchers that they may call up that'll bolster their rotation. Go get an outfield bat, please. Please go get an outfield bat with some control. And this team might look a lot different. I ask you, I'll turn it back on you. How far is this team away from being, I'm not saying World Series contender, but like a legitimate playoff threat? I think they're very close. What do they like? How much more do they need? One player, two players, one great player, two good players. So I think they need two really good bats. Yeah. And then they're better than the
0: Brewers. Yes. So that's the cut. That's how I think in my head that they're not that far off from the Milwaukee Brewers who are one of the best teams in the Central and probably could win their division. I mean, we will see. We have another question about the Cardinals and the Brewers, so we will answer that at a later time. But the Guardians are two big bats away from being legit. Josh Naylor rakes. I mean, yeah. this dude, this dude rakes. Especially like, after that injury. That was an ugly injury. And ugly injury. I just didn't get going again. And he's looked great, so it's not like they need to add a Josh Bell or anything like that. But what's stopping them, are. From going to the Washington Nationals and saying, we'll take Nelson Cruz for cheap. Yeah, why not? And then go to the Cubs and say, what will it take for Wilson Contreras? So now you had Wilson Contreras, a catcher. You had Nelson Cruz in a DH spot. You have Jose Ramirez. You have Josh Naylor. You have Stephen Kwan. You have Med Rosario. You have Miles Straw. Now you have this rotation. Now you have a bullpen. That's a really fucking good team and just as good as the White Sox or the Twins are, in my opinion. I think yeah. they're two big bats from being a legitimate contender. What do you think about that plan?
1: Yeah. So do you think Fran Mel Reyes is kind of cooked for this year? What do you think? I I'm nervous. I mean, Maybe Nelson Cruz
0: that. is the wrong. Maybe Nelson Cruz is the wrong. I'm just thinking about got, but the, big bats that will be available at the deadline. But you're I, right. The just, Mill, they do a friend Mill, but he can't hit anything. So
1: what about like an Ian Happ who comes with a year of control? Get Ian Why Happ, not? switch it or throw him in the outfield. Now, I mean, that's a huge bump offensively. If you want to like try to shift it this year and say, hey, you know, we want to try and make a run at the playoffs this year. If Wilson Contreras can be acquired for cheap, I think, you know, then they'd do it. But not cheap, but. They need control. I feel like I feel like any move they're gonna make is gonna be for a guy with at least a year or two of control. And that's the thing. So I'm looking at like a, an Ian Hap. Or, you know, even a Ben Attendee, I don't think, because he, he doesn't really come with the control. I would love to see them go get somebody with some control. Uh, but could you imagine if they just decided to, to, to make a real splash and go get an Austin Hayes or something like that with several years of control? Kind of solidify that outfield for the next couple of years. They have guys coming up through the pipeline, but get that sure thing for now. I would love to see them go get an Ian Happ or an Austin Hayes. And their system, they could easily do that and still have one of the best systems, if not a top three system in baseball.
0: I, I I totally get what you're saying with the control, and that's the smarter move for the Guardians long-term. I was just more thinking in the realm of, if you want to go for it this year and you don't want to give up those big time prospects, guys like that you could get yeah, and immediately bolster the offense and screw make it. them that much better that's the only reason I was I was mentioning the Nelson Cruises and the Wilson Contreras of the world the fact that you don't have to dive deep into your farm system keep the Faleras of the world all these guys keep them you don't have to give them up for Wilson Contreras or Nelson Cruz that that was my thinking there
1: yeah and also like to to that point you're three and a half games out of the division if you don't want to give up any major prospects even for guys with control then go out and make that that move that helps you a little bit this year, like in Nelson Cruz, especially if Fran Mill continues to struggle and throw him into the fold there. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's no big deal. You're not going to give up much for him, um, but you're you're at least bolstering a lineup that could really use help. This team's two games above 500, and again, you have J Ram playing the way he is. The Brewers don't even have someone like that offensively, and, and I think that the the Guardians' pitching is not that far off uh, from getting to you know top. You know, tier one in the game i really think they're pretty close to that especially if mackenzie continues on the trend he's on and some of these prospects get up there uh, who i think could come up and help them pretty soon when you have one of the
0: best bullpens combined with one of the better starting pitcher pitching you know trios i guess in baseball go for it like now is the time you just have to add a big bat and you're right in it so to conclude on the guardians what we think they'll do is most likely retool, just you cautiously
1: know, add cautiously
0: status quo. add caution you know status quo but what we think they should do is they should go for it because they have all the pieces to do so moving on to question number two cardinals record prediction and will they win the division i reckon they will win the league pennant <laughs> They're playing well right now, but half the league seems to be second half players. Asked by Eduardo 54978750 on Twitter. Also, the last question was asked by David D. Olivo three on Twitter. Just don't want to make sure we're shouting out everybody's name. Thank you again for following us on Twitter. Aram, the Cardinals are getting healthier. Jack Flaherty will make his debut today. Now that you're listening to this podcast, Miles Michaelis is still doing well. Adam Wainwright is still doing well. Andre Pellante had, has had a couple of starts in the rotation. I like what I've seen from him. So good. We haven't seen much from Steven Matz this year, and I don't know how the Jordan Hicks experiment is exactly going. I know he's also dealing with something right now as well. We know that the Cardinals need starting pitchers. We know that. But they've been able to piece it together quite nicely now with Jack Flaherty. Tyler O'Neill is now back in the lineup. This Cardinals team does look really good what's your outlook on them
1: right now? Dude, I I, I still like them. You know, I, I still really think this team looks like a, a pretty darn close to complete team with a pitcher or two added to the fold here. And that's the thing. Uh, and you guys mentioned it. I think it was you and Jack on the episode where you're saying, like, I hope, you know, Miles Michaelis doesn't make them think they're OK to not add an arm to kind of re, you know, revisit that point. I hope that the return of Jack Flaherty doesn't make them think that they're OK to not add an arm like because of the injuries we've seen to a lot of different guys uh, throughout their rotation. I don't think you can count on everybody staying healthy. Go get another pitcher and separate yourselves from the Brewers, because as we, we've seen, the Brewers are vulnerable. I think they're going to to bounce back because pitching usually will keep you afloat. But the rest of the division is terrible. You know, the Pirates are in third place. That tells you everything you need to know about that division right now. And, um, you know, I don't think that division is going to send a wild card team in there. So it's probably going to be a battle between those two teams, the Brewers and the Cardinals, to win the division. Right now is your opportunity to start to distance yourself as the Brewers scuffle. Go get a pitcher. And we talked about it in the trade episode. That's really the only thing for me. I want to see them just get a pitcher with the way Ryan Helsley's pitching, with the way that Genesis Cabrera has looked and even G- Giovanni Gallegos in spots. Like I think the bullpen is fine. Uh, it's just the rotation. I, I need to see one more good arm in there. But you mentioned the the, the lineup and Tyler O'Neal, I, just having watched the, the last handful of games that he's been in, he looks like he's starting to come back. I'm starting to see life out of Tyler O'Neill. He seems to be comfortable in the box again. He seems to be starting to get it going again there. I'm seeing signs of life of Dylan Carlson. Uh, we know what Paul Goldschmidt's doing. He could, does not stop hitting. Nolan Unreal. Arenado will continue to be Nolan Arenado. So as these other guys get going, I, this offense is, I'll take it with, with just about any in baseball, and the bench is great as well. I mean, they can mix and match with the best of them. Just get one more pitcher, and, and I think this team – can sneak in there and be one of those teams that puts it together in the postseason with the veteran experience they have and and make a run. I, I think they have an outside shot at making a run at the pennant.
0: And just adding on to like even the youth that this team has showed too with Brendan Donovan who is a legit candidate for NL Rookie of the Year. He really is. I mean, he's been phenomenal. But then they have another candidate for NL Rookie of the Year, Nolan Gorman. These guys across the diamond, I mean, even guys we haven't mentioned, like Harrison Bader, Tommy Edmond. these guys have been phenomenal. The whole team has been good. But what's going to stop them? It's going to be the starting rotation. It will. Jack Flaherty is coming back, and I we're going to love to see what we see. And I, I'm a bigger Jack Flaherty believer than I think a lot of people are. But still, Jack Flaherty has Regardless, not that he, he helps consistently you. stay healthy. He helps you, but he's not going to put you that much more over the top. Right now, the Cardinals sit at 36 and 27 with a 49 run differential. Like to give you an example of where that plus 49 run differential sits, like the Astros have a plus 41 run differential. The Braves are at plus 32. Um, who's another team? Like the Toronto Blue Jays are at plus 44. So, and the Padres are at plus 51. So they're right in that range. They're 36 and 27. Do you think they win 92 games? Like if I gave you an over under right at 92 and a half, taking the over or the under?
1: Uh, I'm taking the over. I I do. I do think they're going to just keep rolling. I, I really like I really like what I'm seeing from them, and and they also have other options in the minors to either to trade or to to call up to the big leagues guys that are hitting well in AAA. Uh, I, I am worried about we talked about it before we recorded the Dakota Hudson regression. How are you going to hedge that regression? Go get an arm. Uh, if Steven Matz can come back and give you anything, that obviously helps. Matthew Libertor looked a lot better uh today or yesterday, today, as we're recording this in the last setting. So he's if he can start to get better, he's not going to get worse. So I think it was he gets against more, the
0: Pirates. Though It was
1: against the him. Pirates. It was against the Pirates. But as he gets more acclimated, as the year goes on, he could end up getting better and better for you. And again, the offense, I think, is going to keep improving because outside of Paul Goldschmidt, no one's playing out of their minds offensively. I think it's going to continue to get better in that regard too. I mean, we saw what Tyler O'Neill was capable of and starting to show flashes of that. So I think this team can win 90, 90 plus, easily win 92. And I hope that they kind of push all the chips forward here.
0: I would say slightly over as well. And Cardinals fans, the reason why they're probably thinking, Well, they just both went over 92, but they keep harping on the idea that we need a starter. Like, why? If we're this good, we're holding you to a different standard, Cardinals fans, and I hope you appreciate it. We're trying to get you to a World Series. And a World Series has to have a Frankie Montas in it, has to have possibly a Luis Castillo in it, has to have one of these high-end starters to back up Wainwright to back up Michaelis because you're going to be facing these rotations like the Mets will, when you face them in the war in the playoffs, when you got Degrom, Scherzer Bassett, you know, and even Tyler McGill, like you're going to have to face those teams with the Dodgers and Bueller and Arias. And I mean, these are going to be tough rotations that you've got to get through. And when you have the firepower in your rotation to match up, because your offense can run with anybody, you can win the national league and possibly win the world series with a high-end starting pitcher added to your roster,
1: yeah. I mean Dakota Hudson versus Chris Bassett, and I know Hudson's been good, but like, and I know Bassett's been bad, but like, give me Chris Bassett exactly. every day give of the week. And, and unfortunately,
0: I mean, Jacob Degrom over Wainwright, yeah, Scherzer over whoever they're two miles Michael is. Like, like, they're going just... to be favored in quotes every game, and it's yeah. going to be up to the Cardinals to win as underdogs in basically every game unless they add a big-time starter to lengthen that out that rotation. Let's move on to the third question. It's another good one. Then after the third, let's talk about our friends at Loop. Third question, is Luis Arise an all-star and can the Twins actually compete with the best teams? So we've talked about this a little bit about the Twins and how we think they can compete, but I'm just going to answer straight up for Luis Arise, of course. Dude's leading the league in batting average, at like 362. He is one of the most consistent hitters now in baseball. He's not Tony Gwynn. Of course, he's not Tony Gwynn, but he's playing like Tony Gwynn, like Tony Gwynn light in the sense of he's hitting 360. He's not going to hit for a ton of power, but every single day he's going two for four. It seems like Louisa Rice definitely should be an all-star. And right now, I know Buxton is standing on his head. And when he's seeing the ball, say goodnight because it's an auto home run every game. But over this entire season, Louisa Rice has been the best hitter on the Twins, which features Carlos Correa. Jorge Polanco and Byron Buxton, like he's been the best hitter on the team this year.
1: I mean, he's getting on base at a 4.44 clip. It's just insane. And the thing is, he's he's not only hitting the best he's ever hit in terms of batting average. The BABIP not really that insane. So you can't really point to our talk. He's walking more than he ever has walked in his career. He's striking out the least pretty much since his rookie season, which was a 92 game sample size. When you have 26 walks against 18 strikeouts in today's major leagues, You are a freak. And and he's doing that now in 216 plate appearances. So this is a guy that has really just gone full throwback style and is just been phenomenal. But not only that, he's hitting the ball harder than he ever has. And that's why we're seeing a lot more of these singles turn into doubles. Maybe a lot more of these ground outs get through for base hits. And that's why we're talking about a dude that is kind of taking his game to the next level. Max exit velo three miles per hour higher than it's ever been. Average exit velocity up a mile per hour as well. So he's hitting the ball more frequently and hitting the ball harder while making better swing decisions. I would bet a lot of money on that guy having a better year than he's ever had before. And that's exactly what's happening.
0: That's exactly what's happening. And just moving on to the twins portion of this, like we said at the beginning, you know, they're getting back Joe Ryan, which is huge for them. Cause he was in, he was the front runner for a, the American league rookie of the year before Jeremy Pena started standing on his head and Joe Ryan got hurt. And then they're going to get back Sonny gray as well. My thing is with the twins and they've had to piece together some starts with, you know, Cole Sands or, you know, a couple of guys here and there, but Devin Smeltzer has been fantastic for them. That's a guy who at least they can lean on right now. But then again, how much longer is that going to last? I am always afraid of this twins rotation of what we're going to get in day in and day out, but the offense is humming. But then again, I also think to the, you know, with Chris Paddock now being out for the year for them, who was a big loss for them, the bullpen, you know, trading away Rogers to San Diego for Chris Paddock. And now Chris Paddock goes down. How will the bullpen continue to last throughout the, the season along with the starting rotation. That's the question, but yeah. they can address those needs at the deadline. The yeah. Orioles have plenty of relievers available. Yeah. I mean, there's teams with plenty of relievers available. So the twins can manage this and they don't have to sell the farm. Just go get a solid arm, kind of like a Chris Paddock and then add some bullpen pieces. And this team is ready for a playoff run.
1: And you know what the craziest thing is, Peter, about all that is, is you talk about the rotation and even with the rotation healthy where I like, go, oh, they could use another arm. Like you mentioned, the rotation's been decimated. I mean, Sonny Gray has been hurt what it seems like almost the entire year. Joe Ryan is just making his return. Bailey Ober has been hurt as well. And like we always joke about how tall he is, but you know what? He's he's a guaranteed at least big league arm every fifth day, which they didn't even start have. Guy. Yeah, Not which they didn't have time. for a while. He's they like didn't even have that. yeah. yeah. I'll take that. Like they were running out Devin Smeltzer, who's been great, but like they didn't know what they were going to get from all of these guys. The bullpen makes me a little bit more nervous. I mean, we, we've seen Duran and he's been great. Uh, Emilio Pagan has been good in spots, but some of the advanced numbers would point towards, you know, maybe some regression, but again, relievers, sometimes they can outperform that for a whole year. I, I need to see some, some arms in there too, but also the offense has been banged up. Jack, I mean, we talk about Byron Buxton's like load management, which I'm, Fully behind, but at the same time, that's tough. Uh, Carlos Correa has been hurt like the the whole year, but all of a sudden is hitting 302, 373, 459. Uh, I mean, they, they have been banged up from top to bottom and have still been able to stay afloat. We'll see what they get from Alex Kirilov. We'll see what they get from some of these other dudes, but Trevor Warnick has filled in and been great. And I think that is a very big development. Jose Miranda starting to heat up and figure it out at the big league level. That's a very big development. And I mean, this is a very deep team bats wise. Go get another arm and they can go make that trade. They can do something. I'm excited to see what they're going to do because I think they're going to push the chips forward because they got to convince Carlos Correa to stick around. And I think they've got a good chance in doing so if they can uh, you know, take the division this year and show that they're serious about winning. I think they've shown that. But let's let's kind of remind Carlos Correa how serious Minnesota is about winning and how this franchise is a little different. They should go get Felix
0: Batista from the Orioles so they can have Yohan Duran and Felix Batista just throwing 100 man hour bowling balls at people. Like just having those two back there, that's a scary back end. That's all I got to say. And they could do it pretty easily. That's all I got to say, Arm. So let's talk about our friends at, and they do it pretty damn easily. Let's talk about our friends at Loop. The Loop app has been phenomenal. Um, I have been having fun. I have about seven different packages here that I've been getting on loop because I can't stop buying packs because it's just that much fun. If you use the link in our episode description, download the loop app, you get a free $20, free $20. Why wouldn't you download it? It's in our episode description. It also helps us out immensely. And if you are a baseball card fan, the guys at wild cards trading who um, are a part of us, that's Kendall and T. They work with us and all of our baseball cards, they're writing full articles on just baseball.com that you should check out. They do live streams. Arm has done live streams with Marlin's prospects. Even Jazz Chisholm was in the stream as well. So if you want to be up to date on live streams, as well as giveaways on the loop app, that's just what we added the loop app. If you download it, use our $20, you can buy cards all you can, and you get a free $20 to do so. Seems like an absolute no brainer. And loop has had some crazy pulls lately too. Seems like they're always pulling crazy cards worth, thousands and
1: thousands of dollars on just, just not either of us are pulling them uh, right now.
0: Speak for yourself. I got uh, a Bowman first Samad Taylor here.
1: (laughs) He's actually been good, but you had the Dustin Harris auto, which was pretty lit. (laughs) I have my Oscar Colas, which was also pretty solid, Uh, but also Something to look out for with your $20 credit to, to use. Ooh. This guy needs to figure it out. Jason yeah. uh, is, is the 2022 Top Series 2 is out now. And uh, your $20 credit could actually buy you, depending on, on how certain sellers will will package it, multiple packs of, of 2022 Top Series 2, which is great because you can get all of the rookie cards from like Bobby Witt to Julio Rodriguez to those guys. And I know some people have been already, already been pulling some very rare cards because they have short print which is basically like limited release versions of those rookie cards and i know some people have already pulled on loop check those out because top series two is awesome um your credit can go straight to that and every seller should be equipped with with uh top series two product and uh i'm a big fan of 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 the tops product over the last couple years and Series two is a loaded rookie list to check out. And also they should have some father's day deals and father's days giveaways as well, but keep looking out for some of the polls on top series two. And and I would use your $20 credit there because there's going to be some expensive J rod cards pulled some expensive Bobby wick cards pulled. uh, And also we're going to be doing some more streams on there moving forward. Uh, So looking forward to doing that as well. Uh, But our folks at wild cards trading, uh, we'll be at live uh, multiple days a week. I believe on Friday, uh, they'll be live doing some breaks on there and, and we'll be hanging out with you guys as well. Uh, definitely check out the link in the description. If you already have the app, then uh, y- you already know what to look for. But Top Series 2 should be you know in a lot of stores now already. Uh, so check that out.
0: Check that out in our episode description. You'll see that link there. Join us on the Loop app, get a free 20 bucks. Why wouldn't you do it? Next question and question number four is a good one. What is one move that will shake up the league at the deadline? Now, this is a very tough question because we just did a mock trades article. All right, we just did a mock. You wrote a mock trades article. We did a mock trades podcast. So let's try and be different. Let's try and figure out what a move that could be made at the deadline like a crazy block buster and we're speculating on this one because this is this is something that has maybe a 10 to 15 percent chance of happening because we laid out nine different trades that we think have a good shot of happening so if you're interested in seeing more about trades go check out justbaseball.com or listen to one of our past previous episodes it was like three or four episodes ago when you're scrolling um what's Put your crazy hat on, put your crazy hat on. It's always, it's, on. Uh, it's always on. <laughs> I'm just trying to rack my brain right now of just like, what could potentially break the league in terms of one of those moves that you think to yourself, wow, I did not see that coming. And I have a, I have a, I have one that makes no sense. <laughs> I have one that makes no sense. But it's something that I've been thinking about for the past couple of weeks. I see where the Mariners are. And I think to myself, all right, so most of their young guys, like the Kirby's, you know, Kirby has already been looking good, but it's still, there's still a couple years away from those guys really making Julio Rodriguez, Noel V. Marte, Matt Brash, like they're on the cusp, but they're not truly there yet. And this is, again, I'm putting my crazy hat on. Don't, I don't think this is actually going to happen, but I was thinking, what if the Mariners blow it up? Not blow it up, but maybe, you know, see if people want Jesse Winker, see if people want some of their arms, like maybe a Chris Flex and Marco Gonzalez, guys like that. That's just a team that Mitch Hanniger, guys like that, a team that, just doesn't seem to be it this year and i hate to say this because i do think that the mariners in a couple of years will be good and i don't truly think that they're gonna do it it was just a thought exercise to me thinking all right well we know their gm will do a bunch like he will make some of these types of moves do you think there's any shot the mariners just blow
1: it up i think i so blow it up is like a, you know, I think people might think that means trade everybody. Like yeah, all, everybody I mean. under age 26 is staying, right? Yes. I could definitely see them. That's like a retool, right? Like I could see them trading Mitch Hanniger, trading some of these other guys and just sort of adjusting their timeline a little bit. I think after the way they finished last year, a lot of people in the organization and us included, like thought, hey, you know, this team is on the cusp. And then they got to this year and they realized, hey, some of our guys are a little bit younger and not quite ready to help us yet, like Matt Brash and some of the other dudes that we've talked about. Even Julio Rodriguez, who has been phenomenal this year, uh, now over the last month, Started slow and like, is that a guy that you can lean on day in and day out, lean on into the postseason? He's their three hitter. He's a rookie. He's
0: going to go through these twenty one. We
1: were were talking about
0: Michael Harris on Not Gambling Advice about a fantasy impact. Like, should you be running to go pick up Michael Harris? And I said to Cole because he pitched it and it was a great pitch because Michael Harris is great. But I was like, don't as a 21 as a 21-year-old in Michael Harris, don't you think he's going to go through an adjustment period where pitchers then, all right, this is what he can hit, this is what he can't, let's pitch him differently, see what he can do. That's going to happen to Julio Rodriguez again. Like, it's going to happen to these guys. And when Julio, I mean, Ty France is like a Hall of Famer, basically. (laughs) He's the best. But he is, like, so fantastic. But outside of that, like, Adam Frazier is not that guy. Like, they just don't have that much offense right now. Yeah. Yeah. Is Julio Rodriguez like the three hitter who's going to take you to the promised land this year? I don't think so.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I love J-Rod and I think, I think he's one of the best brightest young players in the game, but if that's the guy that's like the catalyst of your offense you're leaving yourself exposed because rookies are going to go through their fits. And, you know, right now is an up and there might be another down. We'll see. I just think the Mariners have started to realize, even on the pitching side, can you lean on George Kirby to be a guy for you all the time? Clearly Robbie Ray is not Cy Young Robbie Ray. Like I'm not saying give up yet, but I think we're trending towards a, Hey, maybe it's not this year. Let's build for the next three, four, five years. And I could easily see them doing that. Um, and and all of a sudden, now the trade market just got deeper because a lot of teams are going to want a healthy Mitch Haniger. Uh, you know, a lot of teams are going to want some of these dudes that the Mariners may be okay with trading, and they've got some of the more intriguing bullpen arms too that they could part with.
0: And remember, this is just speculation. Like, I don't know if the Mariners are actually going to do this because they most likely won't. But don't you think Jerry DePoto's analytics ass is just like kicking himself for the Robbie Wright thing? Like, oh, he has like, to I be. Knew it. I knew I should have I done knew it. it. It didn't match up with the numbers. And you like feel people, you eye test people, you convinced me. Like, I feel like, that, I, 100%. I feel like he's yelling at all the people who are like, trust us, like he's got it. It's like, no. DePoto's like, I'm never not looking at the spreadsheet ever again.
1: I, I was thinking about that because I was like, I wonder what like what made him decide to overlook all of the numbers. Didn't that seem like a very Jerry DePoto type move. No, <laughs> I think they're like, dude, dude he won the Cy Young, just add the Cy Young winner. And he's yeah. like, you know what? Like you know what? Like, he did win the Cy Young, I'll add him, you know, and yikes. Uh, but I am thinking about a move, and I want to go super surprising on multiple fronts because it's a guy that you know doesn't necessarily need to be traded, but I think. Probably could be and also would res- would require a haul, but also would change things uh, drastically for a guy. If we're talking about executives who uh, have behavioral patterns, A.J. Prower is not one to sit still very often. And here they are tied for first in the NL West with the Dodgers who just lost Walker Bueller, perhaps for the majority of the season. and. All of a sudden, now the Padres are going to get, you know, Fernando Tatis back, hopefully sooner rather than later. I know some of the x-rays have been a little bit, uh, you know, not I wouldn't say discouraging, but not as encouraging as they hoped. Regardless, he's going to come back. He's going to live. He's going to be able to help them. What if they went out and and, and put all the chips forward and, and went out and got Sean Murphy? And just now, you know, you're talking about a team that's a little bit financially strapped for the next couple of years with commitments, controllable young catcher who can swing it, who can defend and isn't even 28 yet give up a fat haul, I'm okay with it, uh, depending on what the haul is, and go get Sean Murphy, that would take the Padres to the next level. And and this team would be good and have that young core. Now you're adding a catcher into the core for the foreseeable future. Maybe a three-team trade. You find another suitor for Camposano, and and you could pull that thing off. If not, I think Wilson Contreras to the Padres could even really change the baseball landscape big time.
0: Steve, I love this deal. I love that you're that you're putting that on the table because I agree with you. But you were the one who told me Campisano is that is, is that guy. So I like, like him. why why should they go get a catcher if they have Campisano?
1: I like him, but for whatever reason, I don't know if the Padre's don't. like him. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, I like Campisano, I really do. But it's kind of on the on the same point of the Padre's trying to win now. And we know a rookie catcher is probably not someone you can lean on this year. Go get someone that's been around for a little bit, still young, still controllable, and and now you don't really have to worry about the catching situation. Austin Nola has not been healthy; continues to just, you know, be somewhat of a disappointing trade for them. Put the chips forward here and and go get Sean Murphy, and and, and I, I like campesano but I don't know if San Diego's the place for him, and, and I just mm-hmm. don't know. If, there's something there. Could <laughs> I don't use know a what reset. it is.
0: Could, Could use it, a reset. Absolutely. Yeah. Next question is another good one, except I already have the answer and it's no, but we'll ask it anyway. Is this the year that Edwin Diaz becomes a top three closer? And I know it was kind of slightly disrespectful there because Edwin Diaz does have a 2.13 ERA. He has 48 strikeouts in 25 innings and he has 12 saves. The reason I say no is just off the top of my head, I can think of three right now. And without looking at anything, just off the top of my head, who I think are I would rather have, I'd rather have Josh Hader. I'd rather have Liam Hendricks. I'd rather have Devin Williams just off the top of my head. I'd rather have Clay Holmes. I'd rather have Ryan Helsley. There's a, there's, I continue to go down. And these are just off the top of my head. Like you could probably pull up like AJ Minter of the Braves. I think I'd rather have him. I'm serious. (laughs) I know what Edwin Diaz does. I know about Edwin Diaz. We've seen Edwin Diaz before. Has nothing to do with the stuff. He is disgusting, has always been disgusting. You can't throw 99 miles an hour with a 95 mile an hour sinker that he barely throws. I actually threw it, he threw it one time this year against a lefty. It was collected at 95.2. He's fastball slider, but he's got a 91 mile an hour slider and a 99 mile an hour fastball. He's gross. Nobody's debating that. But top three, I don't know because he tends to leave a ball over the middle and he can be a blown save king, but he can also be very good and he's still a good reliever. I feel like my analysis of him has been slightly disrespectful, (laughs) but I guess when we're comparing him to the top three, that's when I'm going to get a little bit disrespectful because I don't even think he's top five.
1: It's just, is it sustainable? Um, Top three, probably not. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to lean on, like you said, the pedigree of Hendricks. I think obviously, you know, there's no doubting uh, what that guy in Milwaukee, Josh Hader, can do, uh, and he's unanimously, I think, the number one closer in baseball. But I, I like this question just from this standpoint: Is Edwin Diaz kind of figuring it out as a closer? Like, remember, that guy's 28 years old; just turned 28 years old. I think this is the best version of Edwin. Uh, this guy that's punching out 48% of batters that the ERA is strong, the FIP is strong, like everything looks good. I do think that there's a chance that he can pitch his way into the top three uh, by the end of the year. I, I think there's a chance. I think you know, there's Liam always Hendricks, a
0: chance. He's yeah. got insane stuff, like some of the best stuff in baseball. So he's of course got the chance. I just don't think he's been consistent enough for me to say, all right, in the ninth inning, I need three outs and there's only two players I want more than Edwin Diaz. It's hard for me to fathom.
1: Well, you remember what he did in 2018 too. And and I think that's one of the best closer seasons we've ever seen. And if he can, if, if he puts those numbers up again, by the end of this year, is he, is he not top, top three closer in baseball? If he puts up a 2018 season
0: and he continues this the entire year and has 45 saves and has an ERA under two and has like 15 strikeouts per nine. Yeah. You have to give it to him. I just, Let's see him do it because he hasn't done it since 2018. That's the point. He's been good, but not that good. Now at how old is he? 28, 28. 28, What? That's what I just said. That's my fault. That's my fault. That's my fault. I didn't know he's 28 years old.
1: Yeah. I was just saying that like people forget he's 28. He could kind of just figure it out in the next year or two and, and put it all together. Uh, you know, we've seen the flashes of it, but I, I do think you're right. I don't think he's there yet. The, the home runs are the problem. Usually closers you know, don't have that susceptibility to the home run quite to the, to the degree that Diaz does. But as you mentioned, sometimes that fastball runs right back over the middle, uh, but he's 28 years old. And I mean, that, that is a very intriguing aspect of all this is he can continue to get better. And, and I think we're seeing the best version we've seen of Diaz since 2018. I think that's fair enough to say. So it's
0: it's definitely a question. It's more of a question than I made it seem like. So let's move on to our fifth question. Is Dansby Swanson an all-star this year? But now what do the Braves do at second base? Unfortunately, Ozzy Albies just went down with a leg injury, and we do not know his timetable to return, at least yet. Arm, do we know his timetable? It's a broken foot. So I, I know not anytime soon.
1: <laughs> I, not anytime soon. Uh which sucks. But,
0: Let's just talk about Dansby Swanson for a second. Because Is Dansby Swanson an all-star? And we were talking and, you know, I came up with Trey Turner, you know, Fink and Frankie Lindor. And most of our comment section was, where is Dansby Swanson? Where is Dansby Swanson? You know, I think he could be an all-star. I really do think so. And it's because of the improvements on defense. Now he just has a very well-rounded game. Like if I told you I got a shortstop, arm who's 28 years old he was the first overall pick he's got eight homers nine steals he's hitting almost 300 with an 800 ops and he's one of the best defenders in the game you're i mean you're looking at a potential superstar here yeah. and but is he a potential superstar yeah. i don't think so i think he's off to a really great start this season and i think you could make the argument that he's an all-star but it is very close but yeah i would say that dan swanson should definitely make the all-star team should he be the starter? I think that's up for debate, but definitely an All Star team this year.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't think he's a starter, um, but I, I think he's got to be a, a reserve here. And shortstop's such a loaded position, but what he's doing offensively and defensively, as you mentioned, is just so insane. And I, I, I think he's going to set. He's, he is. I don't think he will set his career high for stolen bases. He already has nine. His career high is ten. Um, you know, he's on his way to to getting close to last year's total of twenty seven homers. But what I love, of course, is how much better the defense is. And remember, this was a guy that got off to a putrid start and now has been really hot. So getting hot during the voting time and continuing that going forward here, this is a contract year for Dansby Swanson. He's going to make himself a nice little chunk of change now, I think. And it's funny because we were using him. He always talked about how your barometer for an average shortstop was Dansby Swanson. We might need a new barometer, Peter, because he's been playing phenomenally. He could be 2020 this year with gold glove caliber defense which is crazy. And I mean, if he keeps this up, he's going to get a nice little payday. I think he's an all star reserve. Uh, and and I mean, that's a far cry from where he was, you know, at the start of this year, and really at any other point in his career. So really good things kind of developing here at age 28 for for Dance v. Swanson as well.
0: We could go from coast to coast on the barometer. We could go from Dancy Swanson all the way to Seattle with J.P. Crawford, but that's for another time because we got to develop the barometer after this season. We use the barometer in order to decipher who is the, uh, you know, how do we reg shortstops, but that's, that's for another time. Let's talk about the second base position for them. Yeah. Because what are they going to do? I mean, they, I know Orlando Arcia, he's had some time. He can kind of play a bunch of different positions, and the only reason I say that is because he's been great this year. He's hitting 313, 393, 458. I don't know if they're going to use him at second base because I think they've used him at a, at a bunch of different spots this year. I don't really know what they're going to do at second base. Do they have anybody in the farm that they could possibly call up? It may be tough right now in the, in the the before the trade deadline happens.
1: Yeah, I think Arcee is the guy. Um, you know, the familiarity – uh, the defensive ability there, uh, you, like you said, he's been swinging it well. He was swinging it well in A last year, uh, has continued to to look good every time we see him. Uh, so I, I think Garcia makes the most sense. He gives you kind of a balanced skill set, was part of the World Series team last year. Uh, like, I I think that's the easiest solution, and I think that's enough to keep you afloat with the way this Agreed. team is playing, with the way they're hitting. I don't know if you have to go outside the York. Uh, I like Albies has been great
0: this year. Yeah, I mean it's Albies not like- before- Albie's before he got injured, we're looking at a guy 2.44 batting average, 2.89 OBP with a 4.05 slugging. I mean, Arcia can replicate that.
1: Yeah, 6.94 OPS. Like, it's not like Albie's was was scor- going scorched earth at the point of of his injury. And they didn't how- lose Acuna. They didn't lose Riley. They lost Ozzy Albie's right now. Yeah, and and he was playing at a at a low level at that point. So you were hoping that Albie's was going to bounce back, but this team has been red hot kind of despite Albies' struggles and injuries. So, you know, I I think Albies can be a big part of this team, but I don't know if he's a necessity for them to succeed. Uh, But if Arcia does struggle at that point, maybe they look outside the org, but I think Garcia can hold the fort down.
0: Well, at least in the NL East, like we have two teams right now that are just on hot streaks. I mean, the Braves can't lose, and the Phillies haven't really lost either since Joe Girardi left. Both these teams right now are firing, and the Mets are firing. I guess before we move on, like, Give me just – give me a 30-second rant on the Marlins. <laughs> give me 30 seconds. What do you think? What do you think, Fredo?
1: Oh, God. Um, You know, they uh, they looked like they were showing signs of life. They won five in a row. And then in just true Marlins fashion, they wasted another Sandy Alcon for a gem of a start. Um, left him out there after walking two guys in the eighth inning. He gets a double play, and then they take him out to bring the lefty in against D.D. Gregorius. Would you rather have Stephen O. left on left or would you rather have Sandy Alcantara pitching against whoever? Sandy. Like, like, I mean, yeah, but no. First pitch from O'Kurt is a hanging breaking ball, base hit, ties the game. Marlins eventually lose. Like that just kind of encapsulates all of it, but they are playing better. Uh, they just – they're just so frustrating. Don Mattingly's not a great manager. Uh, he's not the problem, but he's not a great manager. Uh, someone resurfaced a quote recently of Kim Ang saying that she sees the Marlins being, you know, offensive, uh, an offensive force uh, in the coming years, and um, you know that was a, a while ago. Uh, they're they're not an offensive force. Has she said that lately that, that she thinks they're? I don't offensive. think she's followed up on that one in a little bit. I um, will
0: say though, of the two farthest home runs this year, man. Jorge Soler is at number five, and Jesus Sanchez is at number one. So maybe she is right.
1: Do they count for for more?
0: Yes, they do. That's what you get as a Marlins fan is that yes. those home runs that went far, they count for double.
1: Consolation prizes are great.
0: Consolation prizes are amazing. Let's talk about this one. This one's tough because we just got more news on Fernando Tachis Jr. today. Is the Padres solid start without Nando or Fernando Tachis Jr. sustainable? There's still no word on his MRI scan, so he may be out a bit longer. How do they prevent a catastrophic collapse like last year? (laughs) What moves are realistic at the deadline? Asked by Joshua D. Landis. And I apologize. I have not been saying the people who have asked the question. The one, I want to go back just for a second so everybody gets their turn. The person who asked about Luis Arise, that was asked by O-U-U-N-I-O-O-N on Twitter union it's, union. <laughs> what is one move that will shake up at the deadline that was asked by Dodgers fan page one. And is, is this the year that Edwin Diaz becomes a top three closer asked by at D Hills. And the Dansby Swanson one was asked by L one D on Twitter. And then this one about the Padres was asked by Joshua D Landis. So we just talked about the Padres a bunch. And the reason why I said that we got a little bit more news on Fernando touchy jr. Is because the timetable was pushed back. Not good. No, just continued no. to kind of. We got no information. The Padres apparently, and this is quote from the article, was that they're just they're not happy. Not ha- it's not a happy thing, but they're just not pleased with the way he's healed. Mm-hmm. Like
1: he's not healing as what? fast as they. And he thought swings he with so much force, man. Like you don't want to rush that back. Yeah, you know, he, he generates so much bat speed and so much torque and so much force. If his if his wrist is not a hundred percent. Like he can mess that thing up again. So, uh, given where they're at, I'm okay with pushing the timetable back. But of course, that's extremely frustrating when you know you want to keep rolling and you want to get back one of the most exciting and most productive players in the sport. So, what do you think about the Padres?
0: So, I think I think they're just a tough team. Like, what do you think could keep them? It's such a tough question. Aram, what could keep them from a catastrophic collapse?
1: So actually, that's the funny thing, dude. Is I actually already think they made the moves they needed to make to protect them from a catastrophic collapse. Like it, it's the pitching. And yeah. I think that the pitching, I'm not saying that this means that they're a World Series contender right away. I, I do think that they they have a lot of the pieces and they they're a move or two away from putting themselves in that conversation. But I think this team is much more impervious to the absolute catastrophic collapse because they don't have those gaping holes in their rotation. One of those guys is going to step up and give you a quality start to get out of that, you know, losing streak. I mean, just even to add a Sean Mania, they would have killed for a Sean Mania last year. And he's not even, you know, nearly their best pitcher. I think Musgrove, you know, just kind of up to the next level, having Gore looking, you know, right again and looking like the rookie of the year favorite, like they have done everything they've needed to do. uh, I think on the pitching side of things, and ultimately, you know, I think that's going to be enough to keep them from a catastrophic collapse. But as we mentioned, I think they need to either answer the outfield or the catching situation. And, uh, you know, th- that's kind of what I'm looking at moving forward. But the pitching looks great. Uh, maybe add a bullpen arm, but everybody can always add a bullpen arm. But to answer the question, I think they've done everything they need to do to prevent the monster collapse, and that was bolster up the pitching. And the reason we they had a monster collapse was
0: two, like every – like two of the five days of the week were being held by Jake Arietta and Vince Velasquez. Yeah, that's how you collapse. 101 right there. That's how you collapse when two of the five games during the week are L's. Yeah. So, like, you're already going to lose 40% of your game before you can. And then, if a Joe Musgrove has a tough start, all right, now you're losing 60% of the games during the week. That's just too much. And it starts spiraling and getting out of control. That's the thing. Now they have Blake Snell and Mike Clevenger. Exactly. Like not to even mention the the pitchers you already named. Like they have Denelson Lamette who can come back too. Like they have so
1: many arms. You hope Ryan Weathers figures it out in AAA. Like they are they, in such a different place than they were in last year. So I mean, yeah, I I, I think they're in a they're they're okay in that regard. They, and then they when they collapse.
0: get back Tatis, I mean, this team is going to be very, very, very exciting. Yep. Last question of the mailbag. What player has shocked you the most this year for me, it was Luis Gonzalez as he's putting up good at-bats and getting results. That was asked by Lil DJ 30 on Instagram. And we know he asked a lot of questions about Giants. So, of course, his big surprise is one of his Giants. But Luis <laughs> Gonzalez has been fantastic, no doubt about it. Like, I, I, that was a surprise for me. Not crazy surprise, because it's not like he's broken out now. He's this incredible, incredible player. But he has been a very nice addition Absolutely. for the Giants, and he definitely makes them deeper all around when they needed a guy like, like Luis Gonzalez
1: tell oh no, totally i mean that's a guy that was pretty much just let go uh so yeah. anytime those guys perform and it seems like the giants find them more than anybody uh and that's a great one i, I think we have some guys that have floored us even more um and i gotta start with william Contreras. I to stay on the braves front what william Contreras is doing for the atlanta braves right now has been wild because for, for little stretches there, they were struggling to get things going offensively. And then all of a sudden, your 24-year-old catching prospect, you move him from behind the dish, and he rakes 292, 376, 674 slash line, nine home runs in 101 plate appearances, Peter. I mean, this guy is a lot more. And as, as you know, Clay Snowden wrote on JustBaseball.com, a lot more than just Wilson Contreras's brother. Both the Contreras brothers are raking. This year, And I don't know what it's going to look like defensively for Contreras behind the dish long term, but he's proven to be a big league bat, no doubt about it.
0: So I have three things that really shock me and we can keep going back and forth because I know you have another one, too. And then I'll do my third to end it. My first one that I want to talk about. What's shocking to me is how bad Javier Baez is. (laughs) We knew he wouldn't be elite, or at least that's what we projected him as. But did we think he would be the worst hitter of all that qualify in WRC Plus? Did we really think that? No, he no. has been a shell. He can't hit anything. We said he is now one for his last 40. <laughs> for his last 40. He's got no plan up there. Will he bounce back? Maybe, but did I expect now on June 15th, we're about, you know, 60 games in for him to be the actual worst hitter of all that qualify. I did not expect that.
1: No, absolutely not. I I mean, like, I've never been that high on Javi Baez, but he, he ultimately will hit enough home runs and, you know, steal enough bags and whatever to get you a respectable WRC plus, but it, he's the worst. Like he's legitimately been horrible. You mentioned no plan. I mean, that's very clear. He's just hacking up there, and it's been really, really tough to watch. Uh, it really has because it, it, he's one of those guys that when he is not going right, you almost want to shield your eyes. Like you almost just don't even want to keep that's watching because it's so brutal. And and that's what it's been. I don't even mean to pile on, but like he's been that brutal. I'm gonna stick with the Braves on this one again. And I gotta go Kyle Wright because Kyle Wright was downright terrible uh for the last several years. Every time he got up to the big leagues, it would be he'd be decent in AAA and then get shelled at the big leagues, get sent back to AAA, be decent, get shelled in the big leagues. And I wrote something earlier in the year, kind of breaking down what Kyle Wright figured out on the mound on just baseball.com. And you can check that out uh if you search Kyle Wright on our website. But I mean, I'm still shocked at at what this guy's doing to to have the five plus ERA in every stint, uh, you know, in his big league career. And then to do what he's doing this year, which is pitch to a two, five, seven ERA. And you could be like, oh, is he lucky? No. Two, eight, six, FIP. I mean, he's striking out guys more than he ever did. He looks incredible. And I mean, the Braves needed him in the worst way. And he's really come up big for them. I, I'm very floored at how sold I am on this performance too uh is is really what kind of stands out to me is one of the biggest and most drastic changes I've seen from a pitcher year to year.
0: also, just before I um finish up the Kyle Wright point, whenever we whenever you bag on the Marlins, they while you're talking, they go nuclear. they're up four zero in the Phillies in the first inning up four zero
1: don't hold on let me guess who is it did, like who hit it, it, it? it yes, it did or Homer?
0: Let's see. It was an.
1: <laughs> I can tell by your reaction. Was it was it was it fucking Avi Garcia?
0: Avi Garcia, homered. Jesus Aguilar, also. <laughs> I love Jesus
1: Aguilar, but like, God, Avi Garcia, Homer. They're going to put him in Avi the cleanup Gar- spot tomorrow. Now. <laughs> 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 I love it. <laughs> I just can't only make noises at this point. Uh, Seriously, but I'll take then- it. I'll take it. They're swinging it. They, they needed that.
0: But just to finish with the Kyle Wright point. Kyle Wright basically just replaced elite Charlie Morton for them. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, that's how I thought.
0: That's how I kind of contextualized. Like you just you got the best out of Charlie Morton, and as soon as he's starting to slow down, Kyle Wright. Yep. Bang. My next shocker is that Herman Marquez is one of the worst pitchers in baseball, yeah. and. He has a 6.09 ERA. So he actually has the second worst ERA in the entire sport. He's got a 1-5-1 whip. He's not striking anybody out either. So this is always a guy, you know, when we look at the ERAs, you know, he was four four-zero last year, you know, he was in the threes the year before. So we I was never expecting him to be like a two ERA guy, especially pitching so much at Coors Field. But I did not expect that his fastball was going to be one of the worst pitches in baseball. I didn't expect that the slider would be terrible no. and that everything he throws in the zone gets throttled 6.09 ERA. And you look at his savant page. The only thing that's red is his spin on his fastball and his curveball. And actually, no, that's, that's a lie. Fastball spin. He's in the 18th percentile. It's fastball velocity. So the only thing he's got (laughs) is that on his, on his third offering, he's got a decent amount of spin on that curveball. And then on the fastball, he's still throwing at 95, but against the fastball opponents hurting three, 82, And against that slider that's supposed to be nasty, guys are hitting 271 against the pitch. And that's like his best offering. Uh, this just shocked me. I, I wasn't expecting Herman Marquez to take a massive jump and become an ace, but I certainly wasn't expecting him to be possibly the worst pitcher in baseball this year for those that qualify.
1: Do you remember what we always used to say in the early days of of the of the you know podcast? Maybe even back when it was Project the Plate, it was like if Herman Marquez didn't pitch a course, he'd be like a top thirty pitcher. We always totally. used to say that, and and I really believed it. <laughs> but, but I mean, I I don't know if I don't know if you can say that anymore. I what we really I, I think everybody kind of thought that that this guy is su- a super talented pitcher that's stuck in a bad environment and makes do because he was still really solid. But this is a, this is a joke. What we've seen, I mean, he's getting pummeled and I, I don't i just don't know it's not like he hit this age marker where he's 33 like he's still young he's still on the 27 right yeah see so he's still on the right side of 30 something went awry for him and and he just can't seem to find it i'm with you that is a shocking one for me too uh I, you know i could see struggles but not catastrophic struggles uh even no matter where you're playing it's shocking
0: just absolutely sh- like right now i'm just going to the run value leaderboards because right now like Best pitches in baseball by run value of the McKenzie Gore fastball, actually, like the Clay Holmes, you know, fastball as well. But like when we look at worst pitches in baseball arm um, right now, Vladimir Gutierrez is four seamers still right there. Kyle Bradish is next, Joanna doan. And okay. then Herman Marquez's four forcing like it's worse than Chris Bubich's fastball. It's worse than guys like Carlos Hernandez. It's worse than the Dallas Keuchel cutter right now by run value. Herman Marquez's fastball is the fourth worst pitch in baseball. That's shocking.
1: Yeah. For a guy shocking. That, that got plenty of swing and miss on that pitch through the years.
0: So now I have one more, but it's more of a small one. Do you just have a small one that kind of off the top of your head? You're just like, wow, this guy's doing this thing. Cause I have one that I could give you to kind of give you some time to think.
1: Honestly, I, I'll, I'll talk about, I mean, it's early and I think he's going to be okay, but I've been very surprised by Trevor Rogers struggles I with how good he looked last year. Um, you know, I, I've been, and he's pitching right now. And I, I know he's going to throw a no hitter now, as I'm talking about this. So maybe I'm just trying to help him out, but uh, you know, his view has been good. Like everything's been all right. And and it's just been a little bit of inconsistency, but I actually just pulled up the Savant page. He's Up to 97 tonight. So, uh, you know, maybe he's getting it going in the right direction. So I don't want to sound it like you said, small one. Small one is I'm surprised that he's struggling this year because he was so good last year, had his blip and then finished strong. And usually I expect those guys to keep the momentum going and he's at that wall. So we'll see how he progresses. But It's been starting to get to a larger sample size of struggles here. And and that was pretty surprising to me because he was dynamite last year.
0: Crazy surprising to me. And my last one to just wrap up with this episode of the mailbag, I'm just... I'm pretty shocked that Julio Rodriguez leads the league in stolen bases. Yeah, I'm pretty shocked is. by that. He's at 17 last. So in the 2020, I liked looking, seeing what the leaderboards were in the 2020 because we're at the 60 game mark. So it's, it's a good evaluator of kind of where we're at. Like Aldebert de had 24 at the time, at the end of the 60 game, but the next best was 16. So that means without Aldebert de who's just a, He was a stolen base fiend. He's a fiend and he barely plays anymore. He's just a tough person to figure out, but Julio Rodriguez without him would have led the league in stolen bases as well at the 60 game mark in 2020, 17 stolen bases. He has more than Mateo. He's got more than Bader
1: leads all of baseball. That was shocking to me. So what's crazy. I'm glad you brought that one up. I, I had Jeff Ponce from baseball America, one of my favorite writers in the prospect world on, on the call up after baseball America just put out their top 100 update. And um, I asked him off the cuff. I was like, how are we all so clueless as to how fast Julio Rodriguez was? And he said, some of it was because, you know, he had kind of gone from, from the Olympics to other spots to other spots and people just didn't get enough looks at him. But I'm like, you should be able to tell that this guy was this fast. And the other point that he brought up and he said, it's more so this, he worked his ass off to get faster in the off season. Mm. And I didn't know that. How would any of us know that? And apparently he worked really hard on, on just adding strength, but not like bulky, slow you down strength and being quicker and worked on his footwork and worked on his speed. And when you're that freaky, Stuff like that can really make a difference. And he just made himself faster. (laughs) That is how insane Julio Rodriguez is. He grinded his ass off and made himself faster. That's what Jeff said that he had heard from team officials and things like that. He's Baseball America's the most plugged in with teams. And I thought that was a really interesting tidbit. Like, oh, yeah, maybe he just worked his butt off and gained two steps. Most guys can't do that. But Julio Rodriguez is not most guys. I agree. That's one of the biggest shocks of the year, too
0: question to end it I know I keep saying to end it but I think this is an interesting one is Julio Rodriguez the next Ronald Acuna Jr. I
1: think that's what it
0: feels like to me
1: there's a lot of similarities there there's a lot of similarities there in terms of the power stolen bases yeah I think there's a lot there and and the thing is though if you're in that at that level it's almost like you're you're the first Julio Rodriguez but I would, I would say that if you could give a comp now that he has that speed, I think that's the closest comp. Yes.
0: And we'll end it with that. So click the link in our episode description, download the loop app. You get a free $20 and you get to play along with us all season long. Also prize picks. That link is in the episode description as well. Um, Follow the Twitter. Like I said, at just BB media, we have, our guy, Elijah, one of our new guys we added on putting out highlights, as well as our guy, Ethan, putting out a ton of highlights. And then go check out all these different articles at JustBaseball.com. If you're into fantasy, check out Not Gambling Advice. That's my fantasy baseball and gambling podcast. We just came out with some hot topics for fantasy baseball. So if you want to listen to that after you've listened to this one, or go check out Arm's Prospect Pod. So whatever you're into, you're into prospects. Go is check out Arm. If you're more into fantasy. Go check out us. But regardless, all of it is going to be on JustBaseball.com. And that's it. Do you have anything else?
1: I was to say, why not both? <laughs> why Actually,
0: not both? <laughs> so with that, thank you, everybody.